Ladies, here is Lenore Zan, a.k.a. Rogue. It's Cal Dodd here, voice of Wolverine from X-Men, the animated series, Bub. I want you to join me at The Uncanny Experience, the ultimate destination for X-Men fans just like you. Where you will become a mutant student at Xavier's. And be able to explore the school campus, shop the vendor hall, and meet the creators and stars of the X-Men universe. There'll be panels, parties, immersive activities all throughout the historic mansion. Whether you're a fan of the comics or the movies or the animated series, you'll find something to love. This is Chris Claremont. I'm looking forward to seeing you all at the Uncanny Experience. It's going to be one hell of a ride, Bob. I bet it will be uncanny. Get your tickets now, sugar, at the uncannyexperience.com. Bum bum bottom, 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 bum bum you are now in session with the Comic Book Couples Counseling Podcast. I'm Lisa Gullickson. I'm Brad Gullickson. And each month we evaluate a different iconic romance within the four color realm. In this episode, we're talking con and on and on and on. Strangers waiting to get into exhibit hall where shadows sleeping in the line parody legally protected free speech talking to paul cornell about con and on from ahoy comics yeah lisa that was so good i was not expecting it i'm full of surprises today not unlike the san diego comic book convention that's right we are recording this episode before we've actually left for san diego we're living in last week you're living in this week for you Hopefully, if all things go according to plan, it's Thursday and <laughs> Comic-Con has started. Oh, no. Are we, are we going to go through some kind of like slip in time I where mean, we get two Wednesdays? It's just, or? it's just that I haven't edited any oh. <laughs> of these episodes. We have so much planned to coincide with the San Diego Comic-Con. And we are recording the intro and outro to our first episode. And a lot of this stuff is going to have to be uploaded while we're at Comic-Con. Correct, correct. Using our hotel Wi-Fi. Yes, so, <laughs> you know, things can get tricky. We did this last year. You may remember our San Diego Comic-Con 2022 festivities that involved, let's see, um, James Asmus and Jim Festanti talking about Survival Street from Dark Horse Comics. So fun. We had Tom King and Elsa Chartier talking about Love Everlasting. Our best image. friends. We were talking to Matt Kent about Flux House, uh, the imprint under Dark Horse Comics. So, and we so did great. an episode with Scott Snyder talking about like all those best jacket press announcements. Which was wonderful. And we wanted to like match that and maybe even surpass that. So that's what we're attempting this year. Uh, right now, you have entered into episode one. Although... Technically, we kicked off our San Diego Comic-Con festivities 
last week with our 50 years of Red Sonia celebrations with Shannon and Luke Lieberman and Tyler Crook talking about the Lonesome Hunters, the Wolf Child. And links in the show notes. Go check out those episodes if you haven't already. They are fantastic, in my not-so-humble opinion. And... On Monday, which is also our future but your past, <laughs> we dropped a new Patreon series called Married to Singles in which we talk to a creator about their favorite single issue or at least a single issue that excites them. And for our pilot episode, we talked to Daniel Warren Johnson about the nom number nine from 1987. That's a lot of content. I hope you have room in your ears. Yeah, because now we're gonna drop one episode every day for Comic-Con. Episode one, you're listening to it, like I said, Paul Cornell talking about con and on. Episode two, which will hopefully drop tomorrow, Friday, is a conversation with Adrian Tomini about the adaptation of Shortcomings, which is hitting theaters on August 4th, based on his graphic novel, and he did the adaptation. That was a really fun and unique chat that we had. On Saturday, it'll be a conversation with Chris Condon and Jacob Phillips talking about that Texas Blood's new spinoff, The Enfield Gang Massacre. And then finally on Sunday, our last episode of our San Diego Comic-Con festivities, or at least our, our San Diego Comic-Con festivities that we pre-gamed, because we're also going to talk to a bunch of people in person at the show. Again, hopefully, fingers crossed. That episode will be Julie Sakai and Stan Sakai talking about Dogu Publishing, something that I just never thought would ever happen on Comic Book Couples Counseling. Like, we had Stan on the show back last year when Samurai Rabbit dropped on Netflix, but I felt like that was just going to be like a one-and-done miracle. But thankfully, they, you know, Stan wanted back on Comic Book Couples Counseling, or at least he agreed <laughs> to come back on Comic Book Couples Counseling, and he asked if he could bring Julie, and we're like, yeah, yeah, we want Julie and Stan on the podcast. So you got a lot of podcasts in your future. I know it could be overwhelming for you, but just imagine how overwhelming it was for us. The only reason we're overwhelmed is because we're living in the past, where True. all of this content coming yes. together is purely hypothetical. We haven't done it. Right. We're literally doing it right now. We're recording an intro. We still have two more intros to do. At least two, two today. Two more outros. Yes. A whole nother interview that is going to have, and you know what? I'm tired of living in my present. Okay. I'm going to live in the listener's present. I like it. Which is the future. I want to come with you. And is hopefully, oh, hopefully you're in San Diego. I know not, no, I know not all of you are. But that's why we're bringing the con to you. That's if you, right. If you can't be at San Diego, that's why we do these insane events because we, we like to just like bring the Comic-Con experience to the podcast feed. But dude, if you are in San Diego, I would love for you to do me a solid. You're going to have a great time. I'm going to be a panelist oh. at 4.30 what? on the comics journalism looking at panels beyond the page panel in room 24 ABC. And I would love it when Heidi McDonald from The Beat goes, and here is... Lisa Gullickson from Comic Book Couples Counseling. I would love at least six people who are not my husband to go like, woo! I guess, I guess seven people because one of them has got to be my friend Brian because if Brian doesn't show up, I'm going to be so... And then, Brian and I were talking about it. Brian is definitely going to be there. He's going to say woo. Yeah, he's going to say woo. I'm going to say woo. 
insert our Patreon friend James's woo sound <laughs> effect right now. So you've got Perfect. that too, So I'm Lisa. gonna have that queued on my podcast yes. machine, and yes. I just hit play for a second. There will be a small woo from the crowd towards you when Heidi- Not impolite. <laughs> Don't overdo it, because then they're gonna be able to tell that I came on my podcast and begged for woos. But it is really exciting for Lisa to be on a panel at San Diego Comic-Con. This has never happened before. I truly feel like- I manifested this uh-huh. vision board, believing that it could happen, and here I am. Yeah. Or yeah, I guess here I am because I'm living yeah. in the future where You're it's going so future. great, and everybody said blue. It's Thursday, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah it, I, I'm so proud of you. I, I, I think it's so cool. Uh, you just dropped a review of Dear Rosie on the beat. I did. Uh, well, last week, friends. Uh, link in the show notes for that too, though. It's a beautiful and, book. You, know, you got a lot of. Um, Uh, love kind words of affirmation from the creative team. We got some follows out of it, which is always nice. That's what I like to see. Uh, And yeah, like you are a comics journalist, Lisa, get used to it. Yes, but I'm not, I mean, we have to represent the beat. We already have Heidi McDonald and Avery Kaplan who are, are, are representing for that angle because as much as I love writing for the beat, I can't do it that often. The person that I am representing is the comics podcaster. Right. So this year, the theme of the comics journalism panel is how are we covering comics and multimedia? How are we building a community around comics writing and and comics commentary? Like beyond, you know, blogging. That's right. right. Yeah, so podcasting, that's us. Yeah, that's us. What's another thing? That, that's us? No, no, that's not us. Oh, that's not us. Um, TikToking. TikToking, We yeah. have not been comic TikToking. Talk. We need to get into that comic talk space, Lisa. But do you know what I really am reminding myself to remember to say on this panel is that we are also building community in the meat space, yes. in, in person, as evidenced by our film club series at the Alamo Drafthouse Winchester. Like, that's creating community. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Community doesn't just have to be follows it's on the internet. It's not just online. It's, yeah. it's neighbors. Exactly. It's actual humans. Yeah, and we're, we're, we have that uh, Alamo Winchester film club going on. Uh, July 30th, by the way, we're screening Scott Pilgrim versus the World, 4 o'clock. If uh, you're a patron, let us know. We'll get your ticket. And we're looking into other ways that we can build community in our neighborhood and more on that in the future hopefully so one more time for the kids in the back the comics journalism panel is room 24 abc at 4 30 p.m it's gonna be me lisa gullickson from comic book couples counseling i know her woo thank you also james <laughs> james give us a woo Woo! heidi mcdonald from the beat Jimmy Aquino from Comics News Insider, Brett Schenker from Graphic Policy, Avery Kaplan from The Beat, and Chris Arant from Popverse. We're going to be talking all things creating community in the comics book comment comments. Uh oh, I gave myself a tongue twister. Comic book commentary community. Say that 10 times fast. I love it. I love it. I love it. And I'm going to be taking notes. Like I know basically, well, I think I know what you would say, but I'm very curious to get the perspectives of these other journalists. And because this is what comic book couples counseling is trying to do, build this community. But also take some really cute pictures of me. I'm going to take lots of photos. I'm also 
I'm going to record it, not for podcast content purposes. But so I can listen back? Correct, Because yeah. I'm going to be freaking out. Uh, and it's such a moment. It's such yeah. a moment. You're going to get one of those Comic-Con placards, Lisa. I'm tempted to just get up there, get my placard, and, just and skedaddle. <laughs> I have a plan, because hopefully... Hopefully the budget still accounts for tablecloths. Oh, okay. So I'm just going to slip under, slip under the tablecloth, then um, just kind of barrel roll off the front of the stage. <laughs> Nobody will see me. Army crawl out the door. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. I was worried you were going to talk about our budget and this travel because it's tight, my friends. <laughs> oh, <laughs> like, it's it's tight. So it's good that there'll be tablecloths because we're I gonna won't be it. wearing pants. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Can't afford pants for this trip. Oh, well, I think we need to transition into the meat of our conversation, our, of our episode. It's not the meat space that you mentioned earlier. It's the online meat space, uh, ones and zeros. We should transition <laughs> into this conversation with Paul Cornell. And I think this conversation is a great way to kick off our San Diego Comic-Con festivities because he has written this comic for Ahoy that is about comic convention culture. A culture that we are very sensitive about because we love it so much. True. And often when people make satire of it, it can feel mean-spirited. Yes. As evidenced by the Heroes Within scented candle. Oh. I love Heroes Within. I have multiple jackets by them. They make a really sharp attire for a nerd like myself and like Brad. But one year, I think it was 2020, they made a Comic-Con scented candle. 2019. Can oh, it was 2019. 2019. They made a Comic-Con scented candle that smelled so horrible yeah. that upon opening it, yeah. we had to vacate our apartment yeah. and th not throw it in our trash, but drive to a dumpster yeah. To throw that. True story. Uh, like, yeah. I, yeah. Uh, it's it the was, kind of smell you can taste. It's that old, tired joke about comic conventions being uh, overrun by the scent of B.O. And while, yes, that's that true, is, that does happen. But, you know, it's let's humanity. get over it, guys. And, and people, I feel like, are discovering more and more, you know, underarm deodorant. Yeah. You know, you know what? Comic Con is more than its smell. But, 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 but what's your point, Lisa? What's your point? That I thought that candle was mean-spirited, and I want to blow up their spot, and, and I think that Paul Cornell and his comic is not mean-spirited. It is satire that promises a huge... It jabs, but it also gooses. Well, it is interesting. I think it's safe to say that when we were reading the comic book, we weren't exactly sure where the comic would ultimately fall tonally mm -hmm. and from what point of view it was really coming from. And and I, I could see Conan on developing into something that I would not necessarily enjoy or appreciate. But then we had this conversation with Paul and through talking with him, I had a better understanding of what his perspective is regarding comic book conventions. And it is absolutely celebratory, but it is also pointing out some injustices that have occurred absolutely. throughout Comic-Con history. I think the, the conversation that he is starting with the satire of Con and On is a discussion that we should be having. Yeah. And yeah, and I'm excited for it to start here on Comic Book Couples Counseling. What I love so much about Con and On is that each issue in the series 
revolves around a specific point in time and it, and it hops along that timeline. So the first issue, you're following two attendees, uh, Eddie and Deja, and they are bright eyed and they have their hopes and they have their dreams. And, and they have their portfolios. And they have their portfolios and they're going to Comic-Con bright eyed and bushy tailed and ready to jump into that comics industry. And in the first issue, they encounter some roadblocks that mm -hmm. you might be able to predict, but we're not going to spoil it here. And then in the second issue and third issue, we go forward in their, along their timeline and see where they are going and how their paths diverge because of who they are, the opportunities that they get or don't get. And yeah, like... And the entitlement that they're carrying or not carrying. Or not carrying, yeah. So it, it's, it's a really wonderful concept, especially adhering it to the culture around Comic-Con. So this first issue is available now from Ahoy Comics, and you can pause the pod if you want and read it first, but I don't think we spoil anything. No, no, no. We, we do not spoil anything regarding the details of the plot. Because we can't. It's just a first issue. Right, right, exactly, exactly. So, uh, yeah, uh, let's go talk with Paul Cornell. Paul, welcome to Comic Book Couples Counseling. Hello. Oh, well, thank you so much for having me. I could do with a bit of this, I think. All right. <laughs> That's what we like to hear. That's where we want our creators to be willing and open to some counseling. Uh, go ahead and lay down if you want. <laughs> have a box of tissues handy. Well, I, I, already, I already have. So con and on number one, Lisa and I are big time comic convention geeks. We try to go to several every year. We're actually gearing up right now. We haven't started packing yet, but we should probably start, Lisa. Getting ready for the San Diego Comic-Con, which we've attended since 2011. So we were super excited to read your take on the convention experience. And I guess where we wanted to start is with your desire to revisit the experience of going to a convention, a comic convention in comic form. Well, it, it's always such a huge experience. It's just such a lot of nested memories, just such a bunch of experience. And I love San Diego Comic-Con. Um, I've been going for many years and there's just something about it that combines the fun and the business and the friendship so well. And I wanted to write about um, the history of the industry across this big sweep of time, you know, because we leap forward several years between each issue. And I thought, well, com the comic conventions in general, this is a satirical take, not about any particular comics event. I don't, I'm not even sure I can use the word convention. Um, but, you know, it's satire. It's... Um, you will see recognisable features of all sorts of enormous comics events. Um, but a lot of it is based on stuff that's happened to me at um, these big conventions. And uh, the anecdotes that pros tell each other ab about other amazing stuff that ha that's happened. The extremity of our lives at these big conventions is so extraordinary. And I, ju I just wanted to write about that. Um, there is a lot of love for the convention there. Um, as somebody says in the final issue, this con is life. But, you know, mm. all human life is there. But equally, it's also quite a dark comedy, a tragic comedy about success and failure. 
and about how the industry has changed, but also how in some ways it damn well hasn't. And, you know, it, it's that. It's all about comics life, basically. Well, you start the first issue by establishing these two, I anticipate, contrasting characters of Deja and Eddie. And I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about these characters and um, why you put them in this particular starting place. Well, I wanted to have two kids starting out with their first uh, experiences on the edge of being professionals whose lives are going to, as, as, you, as you rightly say, take violently different directions. And I wanted to talk about the opportunities available to them and what they do with them. Um, as, uh, you know, at the end of issue one, Deja's on her way to the Jack Kirby party because it's a public party and she has no other options. And in issue two, she actually meets Jack Kirby, who's off stage. You know, he's a glowing presence, um, which she, you know, it's years later and she's reminiscing about the event. But um, And he's absolutely lovely, of course. And, um, you know, it's, it's about professional trajectories and how much a part luck plays and how much a part your attitude plays. And also how I think that, you know bad things do sometimes happen to bad people and good things to good people that, um, mm -hmm. you know, I, I don't think there's anything cosmic about that. It's just, I think we all, um, we all want to help and gravitate towards people who are kind to us. And so it's about how a certain generosity of spirit is perhaps the best thing one can have as a profession. You know, reading the first issue, you have this commentary track going on from Deja's perspective and you're allowed to, or she's allowed to comment on some of these characters that we meet characters that are in some cases stand-ins for recognizable comics. Oh figures. yeah. Well, well, that's actually not Deja. It's a historian doing a commentary track. Oh, on is the... it not? I didn't think it was Deja. What? I just wanted to establish that I interpreted it correctly. <laughs> and Brad was the one who messed up. Okay. okay. <laughs> you, you, you just missed one panel. That's all. She introduces herself at the start. But, uh, uh, otherwise yeah. I can absolutely see how you, how, how you might think that. You should see the daggers that Lisa is giving me right now. But okay, all right. My point stands. All right, so not from Deja's pr yeah, perspective. Yeah, yeah, I, absolutely. I, I, it's the last thing I do for the comic each time. Um, I do it over the finished art, and it's um, gives us another layer, another of perspective. And some of some of these types, we've got three uh, three British comicers from the first wave of British comicers in the states, and. I, I think as satirical archetypes, they cover, well, we have a, a cosmic guy, um, a dapper chap in a suit and tie, and a wild man. I think that's everybody. Yeah. I, don't, I, th I don't think I've missed out a single British comic in there. <laughs> <laughs> well, so what's interesting about it, though, by having this uh, narrator from the future talking over these events that are occurring in 1992, if I'm yeah. correct, but now I'm guessing, I'm second guessing everything I said. <laughs> uh, it, it, it creates this little bit of tension and it allows it allows the story to... Um, have this bittersweetness to yeah. it. Uh, thank you. That's that's kind of the aim. Um, that there's somebody talking about this in the comic who is outside of the time frame we're in, 
and so could add, you know, um, as you say, tension, um, uh, a sense of foreboding, perhaps. Yes, yeah. yes. Not everyone gets out of these five issues alive. Well, I, I guess what I'm what I'm circling is this conversation that we've had with many people who have been um, enjoying the comic convention experience for decades. You know, Lisa and I, uh, we have slightly different upbringings around comics. She came a little bit later than me, but not too much later than me. But we've all seen how the convention has evolved or devolved based on your personal point of view. And so when you're in this first issue and, you know, a, a, they're going to have a, a panel about a television program, mm -hmm. there is there is that foreboding like, okay, this convention experience is going to become something more beyond the comic scene. But also you have the, um, well, I don't know if this is the right word, but the intelligence to also point out that it's the television scene's also always kind of been there too. You you reference Star Trek conventions and how yeah. tied Star Trek has been to con the convention scene as well. So while it's evolving, it's also kind of staying the same too. Oh yeah, I mean I'm not one of these people who thinks it's a bad idea to have movies and TV shows at, at these big events. I, I'm you know I move in all those worlds, and I think it adds to the excitement. Um, I do remember a wonderful issue of Iron Man back in the 70s where he ends up at San Diego Comic-Con and there's literally a table with somebody signing people up uh, a, a little line through the door <laughs> in a tea urn. Probably not a tea urn, it being Iron Man, but you get the idea. And, um, mm -hmm. you know, it's just that that sense of how, how recently the, the huge size has happened. Because even in right. even in 1992, they're saying, "Wow, a whole half an hour to get in," right? And, and, right. and they're, they're buying their tickets on the door. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 I took note of that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, and you know, like I, Lisa, and I love Comic Con San Diego as is. And again, this this comic is not necessarily about San Diego, but because we have San Diego on our, on our mind brains. right now, that's what we're thinking about. Um, and, and, and reading your afterward, having read this issue, I was curious to get your point of view about where comic convention culture is now versus where it was then. Reading the issue, I was like, oh, well, Paul could come. He could land on either side. He could be pretty sad, you know, at the state of where things are now. Or he could be, I guess he could be um, uh, uh, ambivalent about it as well. Right. Or you could embrace where comic convention culture has gone right now. And you're, it sounds to me just based on the few minutes we've been talking that you're much more hopeful or optimistic about the experience as it exists today. Well, it depends what you mean. I mean, the, the <laughs> actual shape of the cons, I think they're pretty exciting right now. Um, and, you know, the actual size, I think a lot of them handle enormity quite well. I mean, at San Diego, I know where I'm going to meet my, my people. I, I know where the pros are going to hang out. I can, you know, there are recognized social centers, and that's what you need. Not so much at New York, which is really awkward that way. But um, mm -hmm. in terms of um, comics broke me, and... Uh, yes, I, yeah. And, and especially about... Um, 
how welcoming the comics community is towards um, women, minorities, etc. Um, I I think progress has been a lot slower than we all hoped it might, and um, I think there are still still just vast egregious awfulnesses that have only recently been unearthed and and continue to be unearthed. And the comic doesn't shy away from that. We will talk about some of that. And um, like uh, the uh, ancient editor, our hero meets who, uh, yes, yeah, gets uh, has um, a, a criminal would what would have been should have been a criminal record, but he he never gets caught, and he's still got a statue in the foyer of his company, which is no right. which is no particular real company, of course, but you know stands for a lot of them. Where and and for other cultures I I move in like um, especially science fiction fandom, where it doesn't seem to matter if one of the great names of the recent past was a, you know, a, a thoroughgoing fascist, and um, although yeah some of that gets fixed and the arc of the universe bends towards hope you know, justice rather, but um, you know it, it's it's a comic that we, we do wade into that. And we we do get quite quite pointed uh, at, at, at times, but but equally that it's also about the love of the form, and we will discover heroes amongst this cast as well as uh, villains. I think that um, like with comic book conventions, there has always been a sort of illusion of accessibility. Oh, you can speak to the writers, you can stand in in line, and you can show a Marvel editor your portfolio but like there is also this internal class system uh, where you do find yourself going like well it doesn't count as a party because it's a it's an on the books party and 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 like it's where the losers go you know and and brad and i get caught up in that (laughs) stuff as well where we go like oh we got this badge this year and we're one of the cool kids now and then of course we go to the convention and and we are knocked back down to size (laughs) you know and um yeah i I, is it cynical to say that like maybe it'll just always be that way maybe that's human nature um, I I agree with you completely, and that's a lot of what I'm talking about. The um, there is that. Oh, I want to get to the secret elite thing, and some of that is is where the excitement stems from. You know, some some of that the, the class system and climbing it is why it feels exciting. But equally, that can be crushing on the other side of it. And I've seen both sides. Um, I got to eat the enormous slices of cake at exclusive parties fairly quickly, and then I got to I, I got to the point where I'm no no longer invited to those parties. And then I was back at the parties, and then I was out again. And it goes up and down. But um, I think um, I, I think you got to treat these imposters just the same. But this is not a recipe for creator mental health. And, um, you know, exciting and dangerous are often the same things in human endeavor. And I believe that's true of the big Comic Cons. Um, I've I've been on the most amazing creative uh, collisions and uh, races to get something together um, across the the days of the convention where you suddenly get a project and it achieves momentum. 
and equally, I found myself at two o'clock in the afternoon, where one's blood sugar is lowest, uh, but sitting in an empty room uh, where there are four people watching a nothing panel, uh, feeling like the end of the world is here. And I, I think both of those experiences are interesting for an audience. And, you know, one of the thing the comic does one of the things the comic does say over its whole five issues is I think you know you're gonna be okay. Uh, you don't have to buy into this system. You can play it, you can have a go at it, and you can go, oh well, if it doesn't work. And um Oh, sorry, I went on and on. I hope that's... Oh, no, I love it. Please go on and that's on. That's what we want. Yeah. Well, I guess it is a podcast. If I didn't, what would be a listener? I would also want to say one thing I love about the the big conventions, San Diego especially, is there's still 27 um, tracks about comics. Yes. Mm-hmm. You know, I've, I've always been the one to go to the Bronze Age panel with, with the classic creators where there's about 20 people in the audience. And, you know, you can't say these are about film and TV when there is just more comics content than at any other event in the country or the world. Yeah, that's what Lisa and I always counter with when we do run into that conversation. Because, you know, just last year... You know, we finally got to meet the Hernandez brothers, oh, yeah. you know, and have a conversation with them. And where, uh, what other convention can you do that at other than San Diego? Yeah. You know, I mean, maybe New York, but not, not, there aren't too many places where, you know, the Hernandez brothers are across the way from Alex Ross, who are across the way from, you know, uh, Kevin Eastman that are across the way from, you know, the new Daniel Radcliffe movie yeah. or whatever. And, and the lovely thing about the Bronze Age guys is they are not as, um, uh, as mugged by an enormous audience as they should. True. So they're probably quite glad of having somebody who comes up and tells them they love them, and you get really good access. Yeah. I, like, I, I think that satire, of course, in every community is so important because, you know, even though that, you know, artist owned. Anybody can make it in the business. You just have to work hard enough. Like, and that ideal of accessibility is so important. But what, like, where is the line of, okay, we have this ideal of accessibility, but we have our human failures to, we have this ideal of accessibility, but we are being hypocritical. And, and that's what satire is for, to, to, to point at the line and go like, is this in the right place? Yeah, I, <laughs> Should we move this thing? I, well, I'm agreeing with everything you're saying today. But um, I, <laughs> I, I would say that it is about hard work, except it's not a level playing field. Mm-hmm. And we've got to level the playing field. And also, it's about a hard work plus a die 20 roll. Mm. Yeah. Um, you know... <laughs> Great creators do go neglected, and um, sometimes the best work does not happen, and that's not your fault necessarily. I, I wish that somebody else would. I, I, you know, I wish that somebody was telling this to me. I, I cannot listen to my own advice at all. Yeah, well, that's usually how it works. Yeah. Uh, you know, we're comic book couples counseling, and really, who we're counseling is each, each other, <laughs> and we're constantly having to like relearn the same lessons over and over and over again. But that's what stories are for. Stories are to practice those emotions and, and, and consider solutions. Yeah. I mean, wow, this is a great session. I can't wait to get your bill. 
you know what? Don't be dis- don't be dismayed by the copay. <laughs> we still believe that you'll you'll uh, get better. <laughs> Lisa, he's over in the UK. Oh yeah, he used to get it for free. Well, I'm so sorry. We're in America, so open your bank account. <laughs> free, at, free at the point of delivery. I think you'll find over here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I think the other exciting element of Con and On, and we've only read the first issue. Uh, and we see that the second issue is going to the year 2001. Uh, but but that's like that's a great structure. That is an enticing mm-hmm. structure where we're going to jump in time. And I imagine we're going to jump in time with every issue. Mm-hmm. What was the inspiration behind that? Yeah, you, we're going to jump in time by just about the same amount every issue until you're just about at the present day in issue five. And um, it was just that I love telling stories about deepish time. And I think you immediately get meaning out of the gap. Um, you know, when we join everybody's lives next time, because we do keep mostly the same cast issue to issue, mm. we see the enormous difference seven, um, seven or eight years has made. And um, it just gives you perspective. Uh, sort of, you, we're looking down on this thing from above. Also, there are some characters who just pop in for an issue, like we visit the security staff and the people who clear up after, and one, yeah. one of the guys who's um, pedaling a, um, a a pedalo minicab, you know. And um, one thing I'm really proud of is those two little girls, the tiny yeah. tiny ones in issue one. Yeah. yeah, we're going to see a large chunk of their lives. Oh, that's cool. That's exciting. That's really cool. <laughs> Did you say deepish time? Like D E E P? Yeah, yeah, deepish. I love the idea of thinking of time vertically. Well, you know, because I'm used to thinking of time horizontally. Oh, that's fascinating. Well, when paleontologists and people like that talk about deep time, they're talking about billions of years. So I, just, I was like, deep-ish. I mean, it's only 1992. Oh, yeah. yeah. But, like, Brad and I just were looking at pictures of um, a comic book store that we're considering going to when we're in California. And oh. it was the most... Don't name names. I won't name names. <laughs> but their organizational system, like, we were a freaking aghast. And so what they do is they, they pile the comics like flat on top of each other so that the newest comics are on the oh, top. No. And then you just dig down. Like it's like it's like American Eagle style oh, of like cabling yeah. where it's just like, well, I need a medium, so I'm here to fuck shit up. You know oh, what I mean? I, but like, but the idea of like, okay, when I buy comics and then I put them in my to read pile, like it is, it is very deep time. I, I gotta say, I think that would just be a wooing waste of time. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, 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 I'm a back issue shopper. I will dive into the um, vast quarter of that dealer's room. You know, eight, Uh eight, eight eight miles of dealer's room. But the 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 con floor. I'll dive into the back issue boxes, and I would like them to be in alphabetical order of Mm. title, please. And ideally, big same. And ideally, in number order of that title within it. The idea that we enjoy <laughs> rifling through completely random. No, no, we don't. No, that gives us anxiety. <laughs> that gives Lisa anxiety. I saw that store and I saw a challenge. <laughs> uh, and and I love 
I mean, I'm chaotic with the way that I sort my comics, and Lisa's the exact opposite. It's because he, he can remember where they are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, and I, that, there you know, used to be a, a comic store in Birmingham in Britain where um, they sold comics by weight, basically. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> a guy they, they took a pile of, the, of my order in his hand and sort of, oh, that'll be about a tenner. Oh, <laughs> no, I love that. I definitely want to shop at that shop. Oh, man. Um, let's see. What have we not covered with Conan on that we need to, Paul? Um, the art. Yes. yes so expressive. Yeah. Great acting going on in Conan. Oh, there's wonderful acting. Marika Cresta, um, her character designs, which was the first thing she did, they were absolutely spot on immediately. And I've never had that before. Um, and um, she's very good at conveying the atmosphere of what it's like to say, you know, um, sit out all night in, in line for a big media panel. And, um, you know, she's got great acting and she's also brought an ironic voice of her own. Um, the Caruncle Award, which uh, I, I just got that through the other day because we're going to need it for a cover. cover. Um, which is named after the, the abusive old editor we meet in issue one. Um, it, and it continues to be given out throughout the, his, <laughs> the five issues of the comic. And it's it's a halo. It's a halo on a stand. <laughs> <laughs> that's very funny. And that's entirely Marika. That's genius. Amazing. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the moment where Eddie tells Deja that he got into the party... But it, he, he only has one pass. Like he only he can go in. The expressions on both of their faces really communicate like a lot of complicated emotions. Yeah. Eddie Eddie is not a bad guy, but at the same time, um, he's got a fatal flaw. Yeah, he, he wants yeah. that big slice of cake too much. Yeah, I recognize maybe a little too much of Brad and Eddie in this issue. <laughs> I, me too. I mean, honestly, Eddie is all my worst stuff. Um, he is um, my worst impulses. And um, yeah. some of the journey he goes on is me in that uh, I think I did not make the most of my opportunities at uh, some of maybe both of the big comic companies. Uh, I think I squandered some of my time there. And you'll see Eddie um, squander some of his time there. And you'll see one of the editors absolutely call him out on it and him completely miss it. Mm. Hmm. Is it cathartic for you to write a story like this? Um, yeah, yeah, I guess. Um, it's not about... <laughs> the thing is, it's not really about my own is sure. issues. I, I'm actually in it in, I think, issue three or four. Oh, cool. um, because I just had an anecdote that I thought this actually happened to me. It's fine. Um, I could give it to somebody else, but and I, I think I might take over the commentary track and mention a few more anecdotes on that, that those two pages. Marika makes me look incredibly handsome. <laughs> um, I, um, I, I said to her that she could be in it as well. I'm not quite sure if she's drawn herself into... Um, uh, the first uh, women in comics panel where they, they start yelling about this being a women in comics panel. And, um, Amazing. So um, I think she might have drawn herself in there. But yeah, so uh, it, it, Eddie is, is, is me 
if I hadn't wised up. And mm. um, yeah, uh, there's uh, I, I, I think there are there are some very good editors in this business, and you don't hear that often enough. And um, there were certainly some good editors at Marvel who tried to, to tell me that I was about to step off a cliff. What wow. a cautionary tale. Yeah. I, I'm so excited and I'm mostly curious to see where this story goes after issue one. Uh, but I was hooked by it and I, I'm, I'm certainly hooked by this conversation and I, I, I need, I need more stories. I need, I need to see what, where this goes. Well, thank you so much. I'm, I'm delighted. Um, and uh, I've now found a, a podcast I really like about comics. So, uh, hey, that's a yeah. nice exchange. And I have, Aww. I have unburdened myself, which many. Think. Oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> Paul, for our listeners who want to continue this conversation with you, can they find you online somewhere? Yep, they can find me um, at paulcornell.com. And uh, if they find me on Instagram, um, they will also find my link tree where all my links are out there. I'm also the host of the co-host with Lisbeth Miles of the Hammer House of Podcasts. For the last five years, we have been watching all the Hammer Horror movies in order. How oh. fun. How did yes. we not know about this? Uh, you've got two new listeners because Lisa and I love Hammer Horror. Oh. We do. Well, hey, we've only yeah. got about nine, nine of them left. So, <laughs> Oh, well, so we've got a lot of content to, to, to get through. That's exciting. Oh, uh, awesome. Awesome. We'll include links in the show notes to to all of your links. And uh, Paul, we're we're really thankful that you you came on the show to talk this book, to talk comic conventions. It's it's a it's something it's a topic that we obsess over continuously. So it was a real treat. Wonderful to, to meet you. And thank you so much. Yeah, there you are. Our conversation with Paul Cornell talking about Con and On out now, or at least issue one out now from Ahoy Comics. I really appreciated that chat with him. And Lisa, you know... I understand that it can be sometimes painful to observe and address the injustices within something that you love. Mm. And often I find myself wanting to run away from those injustices. But in doing that, if if we ignore it, you know, if if we if if if, if we put our heads into the sand, and just pretend those injustices are not there and only focus on the things that we love about the things that we love, then we're doing no, you know, no favor to the thing that we love. And we're only harming everything that's around the thing that we love. The thing with creative jobs and, and creative opportunities is that we were raised to operate from a sense of scarcity. And so anything that makes us feel like, oh, there's even more competition or someone might get an advantage over me or I have to take every single opportunity that comes my way because who knows who knows which opportunity is going to be the one that makes or breaks me or blah, blah, blah. Like, I think that what's going on in the entire creative community is just reminding us that we need to operate from a place of abundance. Yes. Like, you say it to me all of the time because uh, I get toxic like that sometimes too where it's just like, ah, you know, like, is someone taking my place? Like, 
So, Rise, what, so what do I say? What do you I say? say all of the time, <laughs> rising tide raises all ships. Absolutely. And I think that we, like those of us who have access need to operate from a place of abundance. Those of us who are fear, who fear, who operate in fear that we don't have access have to operate from a place of abundance of that access will come. I just need to be open to it. And I, and I might not shoot for the one opportunity, but look for a wider landscape of opportunities. The thing is, change is not only necessary, change is inevitable. It's inevitable. Right? And like, we we try to think that um, success is this like predictable thing where like, oh, as long as I follow along this path, I will be the one to make it. Like, that's just not how it, I don't think it ever was that way. Was it ever that way? If you're looking, no, I don't think so. If you're looking for some extracurricular activities to do on top of listening to this wonderful conversation with Paul Carnell. And being at room 24 ABC on 430 <laughs> on Thursday. Correct. And saying woo. You're still in line. You're waiting for that thing. I would recommend listening to, uh, well, last week's episode of Decoder Ring, which yes. is all about the history of Parmesan cheese. <laughs> and I, I, I'm, I'm not, I can't remember all of the players' names, so I'm not going to try. But there is a food professor in Italy who has a very hot take, a, a take that is so hot that when he goes into certain restaurants in Italy, he is booed and hissed. And that hot take is that if you want to experience the Parmesan cheese that is closest to the classic Italian Parmesan cheese, you need to travel to Wisconsin. No way. And after that hot take, what Dakota Ring does is it digs into that possibility. And the answer to that question is not so simple. You know, where is the most pure version of Parmesan cheese? Parma, Wisconsin. I, I, I'm I, going to spoil the thematic, uh, the, the theme of that episode. Sure. And it's that food, like humanity, evolves. Mm. And the pure thing is never the pure thing. You know, holding on to tradition or what was only harms the thing that is. Mm. And you should, yeah, link in the show notes to the Dakota Ring episode about Parmesan cheese. That uh, that podcast's so great. It's, it's not so a comic good. book it's podcast, so but it, it is a comic book couples counseling but fave. another book, a comic book, that sort of explores that idea too is Victoria Grace Elliott's Yummy, The History oh, yes. of Desserts. And that's another one where it's like, oh, this is where ice cream came from, you mm -hmm. know? Uh, but in exploring where ice cream came from, you see that, you know, food. Injustices. Ice cream is a is a ice house of injustice. Yes, 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 yeah. It's a fascinating kids book, everyone. You can go find it in the all ages section of your local comic book store. Uh, well worth your time. Link in the show notes to our conversation with Victoria Grace Elliott from like two years ago. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, there you have it. Uh, San Diego Comic-Con, it's happening, Lisa. It's going so Look great. Look at all those palm trees. Your panel's going to be so wonderful. We're going to interview all these really rad guests. All these episodes are going to drop on time. No problem. The Wi-Fi is going to be perfect. We're living in the future. We're 
We're living in a future of optimism. We're living in a future of change. And it's abundance. glorious. There's no reason to do more plugs because this whole episode's been a plug, right? Yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> pretty shameless. Uh, pretty shameless. But I hope that you are all enjoying what we're doing. Follow our social media feeds uh, everywhere except for TikTok uh, and jump on that hashtag CBCC at SDCC. We are going to be posting so many photos. We are going to be posting so many articles. Oh, dude. And if you are at San Diego Comic-Con and you see Brad and Lisa... Don't tweet us later and tell us that you saw us in the distance. We have gifts for you. We have stickers. We have buttons. We have uh, highs to say. Yeah, yeah. Hands to shake if you want. Say hello, and uh, we're we're happy. We're happy to hang out and chat. And uh, if you want to take selfies with us, we certainly want to take selfies with you. And we're going to post them on our on our Twitter yeah, to you make know it that. You so know that, that I can show my mom that I do have friends, <laughs> even if they're strangers. Yeah. So I only have one question for you, Brad. What's that? Where can our listeners send their words of affirmation to you? Does this count as more plugs? Uh, maybe this is our words of affirmation portion. No, no, this is words <laughs> of affirmation, not plugs, Lisa. That's right. But folks can find me on most social medias at MouthDork. If you have words of affirmation for our logo, you can send them to Aaron Prescott at a cool hand fluke. And if you have some words of affirmation for our radical banner art and show poster, also... Oh, well, send it to Karen Charm at Karen underscore X-Men fan. Karen is working on something for us for our fifth anniversary, which is December 1st. And damn. It is. I think the kids would have said sick. It's sick. All of those kids are very old now. They're, <laughs> they're probably uh, they're still all Gen slight, Xers. Oh, Gen Xers to Gen X. Or sick. elder millennials. Or yeah. elder millennials. Uh, but listeners, you can find Lisa where, Lisa? Where <laughs> can they send their words of affirmation to you? I'm always accepting words of affirmation at Sidewalk Siren on Instagram, Twitter, and Blue Sky. Oh, yeah. If you'd like to spend more quality time with us, you can subscribe to us on Podbean, Stitcher, YouTube, Google, and Apple Podcasts. Stitcher, limited time only. <laughs> If you'd like to get exclusive, you can join our Patreon, where you will get more content, including weekly bonus episodes about Sandman, we're talking to Daniel Warren Johnson, Married to Singles. Also, you know, sometimes we eat a food and talk about it. It's so dumb. Ninja Turtles, the cereal. We reviewed it. It's kind of like Pops. Uh, Yeah, it's not good. If you'd like to reach out and touch us electronically, you can email the podcast, cbccpodcast at gmail.com. You can visit our website, comicbookcouplescounseling.com, or follow us on Instagram and Twitter at cbccpodcast. If you do email us this week, it's going to be a while until we get to you. Uh, Frankly, it's going to be hard to get to you for several weeks because our emails are being flooded at the moment. But how fun is it going to be but to still, maybe get a response from us? But still send it to us because yeah. I'll get to it eventually. I'm just, I'm doing the thing that I I, 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 I dislike about myself. I, I, I'm doing that thing where it's like, uh, don't, don't get mad at me now. Like oh. no one's mad at me now. So why am I already apologizing? I shouldn't do that. Yeah, but people might be mad at us in the future when the listener is listening. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> you can give us the gift of five stars on Apple Podcasts. <laughs> Clearly we need it. And if you'd like to do an active service, why not write a review of the show while you're there? Yes, please. We're fluent and receptive in all five love languages. It really warms our hearts and helps the pod. So until next time, friends, keep your love tank full. And your psychic rapport open. Doopy doopy.